1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Selecki, and this week we are flipping the script, and we're going to talk to co-host PJ Doran.
2: This week in motorcycle racing, we had a World Superbike race from Jerez. The big news in World Superbike, of course, is the tooth and nail battle going on at the front between Toprak Rosgat Lioglu and Jonathan Ray. Rosgat had one point coming into this event at Jerez, and after two race wins, he was very happy to leave the event with a 20-point lead over Jonathan Ray. We've got three rounds left in this season of World Superbike, and it is going to come down to the wire, barring someone getting injured. We hope that does not happen. It's been an incredible season. Jonathan Ray, of course, a perennial favorite, multi-time champion. Rosgat absolutely asserting himself in this series. It is just going to be exciting. I can't encourage you more. Watch the final three rounds. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a real dogfight, and it's great to see. I love watching World Superbike, man. For off-road racing, we had the Motocross of Nations this last weekend in Mantova, Italy, and it was a mutter. They had a very wet and challenging event. But uh, for me, the highlights was watching Jeffrey Hurlings win two motos. The guy, the bullet, they call him, was on fire and uh, really held up his uh, country well for Netherlands. But really, for me, the story of the weekend was Italy winning the event, taking home the Chamberlain Trophy, and Antonio Cairoli finally winning that event. He's never done that well there. He always has bad luck at the Motocross of Nations. So it's good to see because he did announce his retirement this year for him to go out on top like that is, uh, that's big news. I think.
2: Absolutely. You can't be happier for a guy that's certainly worthy and finally got his just dessert.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the big, other big news about the motocross of nations, it, it is coming back to the United States next year. They're going to have it at Redbud, Buchanan, Michigan. It'll be in September like it always is. So, uh, at least next year, we'll have a U.S. team representing so uh, they can run the American flag and go up against the world. I'm really looking forward to that event.
2: Yeah, are you planning on attending that one, Dave? That's one I could see myself going to, getting an RV and camping out for a while.
1: You know I am going to start looking for tickets in hotel rooms now because I want to get up there and watch that. Also got some results from the GNCC this last weekend. Stuart Baylor's been on fire all summer. He's, he's really been a surprise for Yamaha and to see him win XC1 again and actually take the points lead. He's got a point up on Ben Kelly. So good on uh, Stuart Baylor. And he did his uh, now famous backflip at the finish line where he flips the bike over after he you know passes the checkered flag. It's pretty funny to watch, but he does it whenever he wins. So it's it's entertaining and he's just full of life. In XC2, Jonathan Gaurier just continues to dominate that class. So some really good racing in GNCC. If you get out and check it out, man, it's a great time. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, it's known as the Olympics of motocross. What year was the first motocross of nations started and named the country where it took place? And for bonus points. What country won that first event? The answer to that question after our interview with PJ Doran.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you.
1: Welcome to the show, uh, my partner in crime here at Pit Pass Moto, former racer, industry guy, and monkey bike wheelie master, PJ Doran. How's it going, bud?
2: Hey, doing great. Thanks for that intro, Dave. Far better than I deserve, I must say. Doing well. Good to talk with you about myself. One of my favorite topics, I must admit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you know the the material well. I know you worked in the industry for quite a while, but kind of step back to the beginning. When you you know, when and where did you
2: first fall in love with motorcycles, and where did it begin? It takes photographic evidence, fortunately gathered by my mother, but I believe it started before the age of one. Uh, My father was stationed in in Hawaii at Schofield Barracks during the Vietnam War, and my mother and I were living there. He had a Bridgestone two-stroke that are notorious, if anyone is familiar with them, for not exactly running, so it was generally in pieces in the parking lot outside of the the apartment that they had given my father, and I was often captured sleeping on it. My mom has a whole album involving me sleeping on the gas tank at a very young age, draped over it while my dad was, in some form or another, rebuilding it.
1: Now, that Bridgestone motorcycle, that didn't happen to have Lucas ignition, did it?
2: I assume it did. Bridgestone was popular brand apparently in the 60s. Dave, I remember riding one as a kid in the 70s. Somebody I knew had a Bridgestone 90. Likewise to my dad's uh, example, it was pretty much always in need of some form of repair. It didn't run for us very well at all.
1: I think that's how we all kind of became motorcycle mechanics over the years zoning owning motorcycles like that that required a lot of work.
2: Or at least being around them, right? It was oftentimes, I was the guy who could fix them. So I got to ride bikes that I didn't get to own because I could actually make them run. And I think you're exactly right. It was out of necessity.
1: So tell me, which was the first motorcycle that you perfected the wheelie
2: on? I would have to say that was a Trail 70. I really started working out the kinks on some of my cousin's Trail 70s. As we all know, they were ubiquitous across the country. Every farm or barn seemed to have one, two, or three of them. No different uh, within my farming family. Every generation before me, apparently, had a Trail 70. I never got to own one, but I certainly got hand-me-down rides. And if I could make them run, same rules. If you knew how to clean the carb and you found it in the barn, you could ride it.
1: So from there, I think, uh, you know, eventually you you worked your way into the industry. And I know I'm probably leaping way ahead, but Somehow, your love of motorcycles routed you into the industry. How did you end up here?
2: Yeah, definitely. Growing up on motorcycles is absolutely at the core. My dad went from that Bridgestone, thankfully, uh, when he got stateside. And as we grew, the family grew, he transitioned into BMWs. So I've had a long standing affair- love affair with vintage BMWs. They were current at the time my dad was owning them, but now considered vintage. All of that led to the first thing I wanted to do when I got my own money, and as it turned out in the military, I was able to buy motorcycles. That leads you to motorcycle dealers. Once I was at dealers, I realized real human beings worked there, and it, I made it my goal. At some point, I had to work at a dealership, and I was able to start doing that when I lived in Minneapolis in my mid-20s. I worked for, a, at the time, very popular dealership called Trackstar. They uh, went on to infamy with some very serious shenanigans pulled by the owner of the business. Fortunately, I was long gone before uh, felonies were handed down, but I did work there for a while at Trackstar, and it gave me a taste for what could be a career in the motorcycle industry as a mechanic at the time.
1: So, formal training in, in mechanics, or was that something, as as you said, you kind of picked up as you went, as you were younger, and you obviously qualified to do that?
2: Yeah, mechanics work really, I think, stemmed from necessity. Again, my dad was constantly testing me as we were, uh, he was a thrifty guy. So we always had vintage cars, vintage motorcycles, and I was constantly put to task. Can you make this thing work or that thing work? And next thing you knew, I was a mechanic. I came to college after the military and I owned my own series of junky cars that needed attention. And I gave it to them. And ultimately occasionally there are things you can't do. If you don't have all the right tools, which a poor college kid doesn't, I found a local uh, import garage to work on my various Volkswagens when I couldn't tackle the task. And I usually could tell them what was wrong. I didn't have the tools. Can you guys do this? And they hired me uh, in pretty short order. They said, you know what you're doing. Why don't you come in and use our tools? We'll pay you to do it.
1: And as I understand, that was a long career in uh, in the dealerships from there. I mean, you've gone from several different ones since then? or
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's I've bounced around from automotive. You know, I started in a European import garage at Iowa State, then uh, Minneapolis. I worked at a Yamaha Moto Guzzi slash Bimoda dealership. Worked on a lot of things and got my start racing, doing some flat track up in the Minnesota area. Then I ended up at various garages in Chicago whenever I needed to make a buck. If I didn't have a job, I would usually pull my toolbox to somebody's garage and offer a hand, leading to my most recent uh, nine-plus years at a big-time Yamaha dealership uh, here in the Midwest uh, for Bart Hicklin at Hicklin Power Sports.
1: And that's uh, that was your final stop, at least most recent final stop. I know.
2: Absolutely, I uh, was the service manager there, and oftentimes a technician in the early days when we didn't have enough technicians as we were growing as a dealership. It's it's hard for dealers all the time, even now, to get all the talent you need under one roof. So, being able to switch hit and do a couple things certainly helped me in the industry and any job I've taken and. Certainly is also what led to my involvement with Pit Pass.
1: Okay, that was one of my questions down the line, and I wanted to touch on, because you mentioned racing. So you've spent some time on the racetrack. You've self-admitted. You've got the disease, like a lot of us do. Tell me about uh, your racing history and, and kind of where that uh, that led you.
2: Yeah, that first race, uh, first organized race, let's say, because I was constantly racing people on my motorcycle. I won't count the entire lifetime of trying to outrun every guy at a stoplight, in an organized fashion flat track in Minnesota was my first go at organized racing and I did really well better than most people on the very first day they sit on one I was competing for the lead in amateur races certainly at local dirt track but that gave me an idea that I might want to do more of this that leads to needing more money as we know racing is far from the cheapest thing you can do it's terribly expensive at every level so I got a little more serious about work so that I might indulge racing and ultimately led me to doing track days on road race bikes and then road racing uh, with WERA, Amateur Race Organization here in the U.S., and did that off and on for uh, quite a few years and loved every minute of it.
1: As we all tend to do. Now, I know you're a racetrack rat. You love to go and uh, you're known for your wheelies. But you're also known for your cooking ability. So I want to know what's uh, what's your favorite, your, your best trackside meal that you can prepare?
2: Well, the ones that I can prepare, I think that uh, people have been misled to think that I cook. There's always food at my campsites. I have a awesome habit of surrounding myself with great cooks. So people think I can cook because I'm really good at invitations. I'm the socialite. I generally go around and and make sure everybody knows we're, we're gonna have food at our site. I will take very little credit for it. It's generally the people I'm camping with. When left to my own devices, We get hamburgers. That's pretty much what we get is hamburgers on the grill. My favorite meal at the track is prepared by one of my friends, Mark Peroni, and he makes the world's best low country boil trackside. He brings out the turkey turkey frying pot and fills it with water and does an absolutely amazing low country seafood, potato, crawfish, Whatever he's got, he throws it in there, and it's amazing.
1: I'm getting hungry just listening to this. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so that's your trackside stuff. Now, I always wanted to ask you this question. When you're not spinning laps around the neighborhood or doing wheelies, what are your hobbies? What do you do uh, besides motorcycles that, uh, that fill your time?
2: That's a good question. I am an avid skateboarder, and as luck would have it, Des Moines, Iowa now has the biggest and best skate park in the nation. So recently, as in this year, I am now skateboarding a lot more than I had in five or six years, and I'm really enjoying it. Hopefully, I don't hurt myself too badly. I'm pretty much constantly covered in scabs now, knees and elbows, uh, much like motorcycle riding. The joints are not appreciative of the impacts with the concrete, so I'm slowly finding uh, finding out what I can and can't do given my age and disability, so to speak.
1: As we all do. We all age, and uh, it takes longer to heal every time we get off, that's for sure. And I'm sure helmets are required, at least I hope so.
2: I'll be honest. They're not required. It's uh, much like skate parks around the country. They're all run pretty much the same way. Cities generally own them. There's a generic waiver at the gate. You're on your own. That's the only way they work. Otherwise, lawyers are going to come in and take them away before they even get started. So... Yes, I have helmets. Yes, I have worn a helmet. As my comfort level grows, I'm not, and that's a bad idea. So whoever's listening, wear your helmet to the skate park.
1: Couldn't agree more. And uh, one last question was, uh, you touched on it earlier, which was uh, your path to pit pass moto. How did that uh, begin for you? How did you get invited on? How did that uh, come about?
2: Well, back in the grand old days, long time ago, it's probably been 10 years now, Tony Wink and I met fortuitously. I moved to town uh, I was at the time very active road racer, and I had purchased a flat tracker. I was getting into racing here locally in the in the Des Moines, Iowa area. Impossible not to run into a guy like Tony Wink, who owns a racetrack, is an incredible racer, and I began working at Hicklin Power Sports. He was shopping for sponsorship, sponsorship dollars for pit pass. At the very same time, he and I were meeting, so he encouraged me to join, and it was an immediate good fit between he and uh, Scott and I back then. I filled in some holes. Tony, as we know, is a brilliant off-road guy and had all the connections off-road, didn't know much of anything about road racing, and he admittedly would say it, it showed in his commentary and interviews. So it was a good fit to bring me in, and I continue to try and fill that role now.
1: As you do, absolutely. And uh, it was great uh, hearing some of the story behind the story, PJ. appreciate you taking some time with us today. And uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout out? To, uh,
2: I want to give a big shout out to my co-host, Dave Selecki, for getting right. on here and doing this with me.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for spending time with us, PJ. This has been great. Right on. this week's pit pass trivia question is known as the olympics of motocross what year was the first motocross of nations started and name the country where it took place for bonus points who won that first event the answer is of course it was 1947 the initial race was held at the Wassenaar track in holland and that first event was won by great britain
2: great britain a powerhouse of the day
1: they are and they've won probably more motocross of nations than any country the united states had a run since about 1981 but uh, they've fallen off and obviously didn't attend this year but they're they're always a a force to be reckoned with just because motocross has really grown in this country since about 1970. and did you say
2: what year was that that the first one took place 1947 so it was wow. after world war ii ended. right after the war yeah that's impressive
1: yes sir well he had a lot of servicemen looking for things to do and they all picked up motorcycles as a way to you know as a hobby much like ourselves actually and uh, you know they eventually once you get two motorcycles together what happens
2: we got a race we have a race absolutely coming up in the motorcycle race world we've got the moto gp of cota circuit of the americas austin texas october the third world superbike will be happening in portugal October 1st through the 3rd. And American Flat Track will be holding their event at the Charlotte Half Mile on October the 8th.
1: Look forward to that event. In off-road racing, we've got the MXGP of Germany, round 11 of 18. That'll be October 3rd. And then GNCC racing round 12, which is 12 of 13 rounds, is gonna be the Buckwheat 100 in Newburgh, West Virginia, October 9th through 10th.
2: Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog.
1: This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week. Wheelie on!
0: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado,